It's Achievements and Strategies. I'm Brian Franklin. My special guest today is Dax Nielsen. Drummer for all types of people you've heard of, particularly Cheap Trick, but also Brandy Carlisle, Smashing Pumpkins. Um, he's got his uh, own band, the Nielsen Trust, which is which we'll get into, um, and and uh, all types of fun. I, I got a chance to meet Dax um, at Nam last year. Was it last year? I guess before they shut everything down. I think, I think it was, I think yeah. It, yeah, and and uh, back in the before times, and uh, and and <laughs> super cool. I was walk, I was um, walking around with um, with Adam Zimmon, who you know, guitar player for Ziggy Marley, and and formerly Shakira, and and a good friend, and also someone we got to interview earlier in um, in in this season, and uh, and and um, we got to spend a little bit of time talking to Dax, and he and just just an absolutely super cool guy, and 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 super nice, and. I uh, I was like, man, we should we should have him on, and Adam was was cool enough to make make the introduction and, and do that. Um, Dax, welcome. And um, where you're, are you in Nashville right now? Is that is that where you're at, at home still? No, I I am in Rockford, Illinois. Oh, okay, where I was born and raised. It's where Cheap Trick is from. Um, I lived in LA from uh, 2004 to 2010. And then moved to Nashville for a few cups of coffee in a two thousand <laughs> late two thousand ten, and then I, then I got the cheap trick gig, and it was yeah. Long, it, long story short, my my wife, who was then my girlfriend, is from here, and it was just like, hey, I think I'm going to play for Cheap Trick, and we're usually gone six plus months a year. Do you want to move to Nashville and start fresh, or yeah. should I just move back home and you have all your friends and family and everything? And how, how is it being home, or how what, what year was what was it twenty sixteen when this happened, or something? When did you guys? No, that was two thousand ten. Actually, I, I lived, okay, okay. like I, I literally lived in Nashville for like six months, and it was. Oh, you <laughs> did. Okay. You know, does my does Heather want to move there and start fresh? She's a hairdresser with a you know a large clientele. And yeah. Her, her her brothers and sisters and mom and dad still live here, and it was just like. Yeah. Do you want to go down there and have no 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 and don't know anybody and don't have any clients, or should I just come back and? Why did you move to Nashville in the first place? Like, what brought you down there? Uh, it, we're talking 10 years ago, 11 yeah. years ago, almost 12 years ago, actually. Um, and at the time, I had been in L.A. for five, six years or so. And, you know, I had had some, some real successes and I'd had some real down times. It was just one of those things where, at the time, not really many people had moved to Nashville. It was still thought of as Countryville, you know, country town. Yeah. I mean, I went to visit, I do some sessions there and, you know, I remember drinking a Coors Light and it was like $2 and 15 cents at a bar. I'm like, that's $7 in LA, yeah. you know, if now it's, if you're lucky. Now it's $8, yeah. $8 in Nashville. <laughs> but uh, at the time it was just, it was super cheap to live there. Um, being a drummer, I feel, I still feel like country music isn't much different than rock music, you know? And it was one of those things I just, I knew a lot of people already and it just it seemed like the right thing to do and then cheap trick basically fell into my lap and it was yeah you know do i need to live in music city when i'm gone six and a half months or more per every you know every year or would i just rather you know did, find a place where i can buy two acres of land for 200 grand yeah you know? I mean, did, did you find that the session um the session drummer scene in nashville was more um was was different than la i mean was it was was it more challenging or um because i know i mean that that is that is one of the 
like most incredibly dense collection of of musicians in one yeah. one you know area then i mean la yeah. spread so spread out but this is but that area is so like chock full of musicians is it different there i think it you know it is at the at that time it was still the old guard was still there a lot of the like the really high profile named drummers that we all know mm-hmm or who are now probably 65, 70 years old, but back yeah. then they're still in their, you know, mid to late fifties and still now that, you know, the, the, the big names are in their thirties, you know, but there's so much music being made at all times that, yeah, I, th- I mean, if you're pretty good, I mean, if you're really good, you, you can get work pretty easily still. Yeah. And you know, their whole, their whole vibe is, is still by the, like the union scale. You, you write your name down and you get paid what your what your rate is depending on your your stature at the at the unions and all that stuff so. yeah well i mean we're, we're, we're gonna go through the whole thing but one of the people that you've played with is brandy carlisle who's who's mm-hmm. obviously now um I, I i mean she's she's been famous for a long time but but i feel like now she's kind of broken through to a whole new level uh particularly she, with yeah, you know with, really with with uh with the grammys and uh, you know last year and, and the song i mean um and, and uh the joke and all that stuff so so what was this the same time you were playing with her when you moved to nashville or or was there no this this would have been there? a couple of years prior okay um, i was playing in a band called a fine frenzy that was signed to virgin and um we went to we did a bunch of tours. We opened up for Rufus Wainwright for a few months. We did a Cheryl Crow tour. Yeah. Uh, female singer songwriter was led the band. Um, not that that makes any difference, but we just ended up going on tour with, uh, you know, some females, one of them being Brandy Carlisle. Okay. And so I got to know them, you know, for six weeks and every night they'd come out and watch us play. And I got to be friends with them. And at the end of the tour, they were just like, man, if you're ever available, yeah. we'd love for you to be our drummer. And, I'm, I'm available <laughs> I, I saw them play every night and I, I just knew that yeah. she was she was going to be where she is now yeah and you know she's got the kind of voice and with the twins I don't know if everybody knows about Brandy Carlisle but she has identical twin brothers Tim and Phil that are also co-writers with her the three of them write everything and they just have like I always say they're one person yeah like the, when they sing together when they sing together it, it sounds it's their one brain and it's just I it's amazing and um I just knew like that she'd have a long career which she's proving to be now and I mean I, I re- she's so so great and with the twins and I just I, I just kind of knew like I gotta say yes to this and so I got to go to her with them I, I I think about a year and a half and we, we wrote we uh, recorded an album that unfortunately got shelved um, I don't know if it was creative differences with the producer or the label or or yeah. whatever, but they ended up um, after my time was done with her, she went back and did an album that eventually came out. But so I have in my possession, which I'll never share, but yeah, I did a full album with her, and it, you know it was just a great time, and I I just knew that she'd eventually become yeah because I, mean, I, I toured with her on the story album, which is her oh, second yeah. album, yeah, like really kind of let people know who she was, and so she was still playing to let's just say 500 people a night, maybe, maybe less, uh-huh. you know, now she's playing, she's selling out Red Rocks four nights in a row. Yeah. Or, or and headlining festivals and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah so it's pretty yeah. incredible. It's been great. And we still keep in touch. You know, it wasn't any kind of bad blood or anything. It was just, you know, time to move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I'll tell you, I, you know, she, she's certainly one of those singers, um, that, you know, and not everybody has it, but, but when, 
when you there's a certain point where you where a singer can kind of push it over the edge to a new to a new level at a certain point in a song it just goes it goes from you know for, you know, forgive me for the spinal tap reference but it goes from 10 to 11 you know absolutely and, and um yeah. never and, forgive us <laughs> never. Never. <laughs> and um and she you know there's and i think for me as you know as someone that like i mean i, I don't know i just kind of study some of this stuff sometimes and I, that that level that level that she gets to some is, is, is like a 12 like she throws it she throws it into an overdrive that that it's hard to even describe um in, tonally um yeah. and uh it, it's it, it's you know certain songs that she does that on that just just absolutely throw it over the top and um but um and, i've and been that, extremely fortunate in the fact yeah. that i've been able to play with her and i feel like the only singer i've ever met that had the same exact quality is robin, robin Zander. yeah i was gonna say that i was he yeah can yeah. sing a sweet ballad like like anybody else and then and then just lay it over the top like yeah kill you with a with a heavy song yeah. it's like oh my how does that same yeah. person do all that and 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 it it sometimes it's not even like they they're hitting a a, a note that's a, at a, at a certain range. It's just the delivery that just the power and the the delivery. Be able, be able to 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 play both ends of the you know shredding of your voice spectrum to mm-hmm. you know to, to this other thing. What, Absolutely. What um so tell me about this this lost album like. What, like <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it actually it, it it's I'm pretty sure it's all the same songs that came out on just, the next album, whichever one is after the story. I think it's either okay. Bear Creek or. I'm sorry, I'm it's, it's lost on me right now, but um, I think they just re-recorded it. With, yeah, you know, instead of musicians and a different producer, and uh, you know, well, maybe she'll, was, I, she'll maybe she'll great. stay famous enough to where it'll come out as like a fan, Someday. like right. like like a you know what these like wild you know Tom Petty came out with like wildflowers and all all the other stuff, which mm-hmm. is the, all the alternative versions, and so maybe it'll maybe it'll come out that way. I have yeah, fr- I went, they flew me out to Seattle and, and we did like two weeks of production at her house. She's got a barn on her property. Yeah. And uh, we just, you know, worked on tunes and then went in yeah. to Bear Creek Studios and, and recorded. And it was super fun and great. And just unfortunately, yeah, it happens all the time. You know, somebody re-records an album. They, did, they didn't like something about it. And just is that the first time. time that you've had an album shelved like uh, a full album? Yeah. yeah. I mean. I, I recorded with Smashing Pumpkins, as you mentioned, you know, and, but Billy, he, he recorded 75 songs for that album yeah. and, you know, only 12 came out or whatever it would right. be. Right. Well, know? that's, yeah. And, but mo- no, most of the time you just record for people and they're not, they never get famous. So nobody ever, ever hears this <laughs> stuff, you know, it's, or maybe you've never, you never even hear about that yeah. person again. You know, it's unfortunately, it's some of, some of our collective best work never sees anybody's yeah. ears. Well, yeah pretty much so. describes my my musical career <laughs> <laughs> but i had a friend i had a friend that got signed to island um mm-hmm. you know does the whole thing records with tom dowd on on the, you know, the engine legendary engineer of course, you know, of course. um engineer producer he was the producer on the album you know kind of towards tom's later years they have literally the band backing him on one song you know on one song of the album right. you know just right. it's 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 an it's a great album and somebody in the promo department was just like, yeah, and said to Blackwell, you know, yeah, I don't like it. And that was yeah. it. And then he's, boot- uh-huh. then he literally was like bootlegging the album out of his van, you know. Because he doesn't own it, probably. Because he didn't, no, he had no right yeah. to it. You know, all he had like, you know, a recording of the master, you know, and, right. and was, you know, literally like dupes, duping CDs and, you know, 
out of the back of the damn thing. Cease and desist order for selling his own music. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, I, 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 for, 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 well, somebody could figure it out. There's probably a statute of limitations that's expired. But the funny part is, is they somehow they, the, the label left the van with him. You know, and they never uh-huh. they never found out. <laughs> There's a van. So, I mean, it doesn't matter now. It was a you know 1990 Astro van or something like that. But right, you know, but it's gone. <laughs> Think of the savings. Think of the savings exactly. <laughs> so okay, so so um, you know your 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 path is you know. It's been well documented and well traveled, I think, on, on on lots of interviews. But we have to, you know, we have to um, talk about the obvious, which is that your dad is Rick, and you grew up in, you know, in and around Cheap Trick, right? And just yeah, to definitely. to at least a degree that you were allowed to be on to visit him on tour or whatever <laughs> that was at, at different points of your childhood. Um, uh, how much, you know, how much exposure did you get as a as a kid? You know what were your, what were some of your first memories of the band and 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 kind of growing up with the band? Well, I mean, I was born in 1980, um, which was kind of the peak of their success in the uh, the first wave of their you know Cheap Trick's gone up and down and up and down and up and down right. a handful of times. Um, so obviously, I don't remember my first three or four years, but you know, 84 to 87, they were kind of back down to playing bars and. The original bass player Tom had left from '81 to '87. Yeah, they were kind of in a dark place. Oh, financially. I'm sorry. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold on. Let me turn that. I'm sorry about that. I oh. <laughs> hit the wrong button. Uh, <laughs> Story of my life. Ah, uh, it happens. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, so yeah, from '81 to '87, their original bass player had had, le- had had departed for a while, and so they were kind of in a dark place, you know, financially and. Yeah, just you know, success-wise, they put out a few albums with another bass player that had great songs on them, but you know, for whatever reason, the label didn't push them or just the fates didn't align. So that you know, so then in like '87, the bass Tom came back in the band, and then they recorded an album that had the flame on it, which went mm-hmm. to number one. And then next thing you know, they're back to selling out arenas. Right, they're massive. And then you know, '92 when I'm 12 or 13, they're back down to playing clubs, and you know. Yeah. So it it was definitely a a lesson in Midwestern work ethic, which, you know, I think Cheap Trick has proven over and over that, you know, to this day, well, except for this last year, you know, I'm in their fourth or fifth decade of the band and they're still playing over a hundred shows a year. Yeah. When I was a kid, they were playing 200 a year, you know? Well, I want to, I want to, I want to talk about that up and down, but I'm, I'm interested in, in, you know, the, the realizations that you might have had as a young kid that, you know, like my life is different, you know, this is, mm-hmm. this is my, my dad is different. <laughs> well, maybe you knew your dad was different, but, but he's different. But, already. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, we all, we all wake up, you know, I mean, you and, and we look at our parents at, at, at some point in time and you're like, okay, well, this is, I know what this guy does. And I, I, you know, right. that's, that's, you know, that's cool. You know, um, you know, were, were you, were you a kindergartner when you were going to like see him? I mean, you know, based on the timing of this, uh, if it's 80, you know, they're, they're popping. So by 87, mm-hmm. they're popping again. Right. And, yeah. and no, most definitely. Right. Uh, we, we live in Rockford still. I, I don't live with my parents anymore, but, yeah. but they still live here. And there's a, a place called the Metro center in town. And now it's called the BMO Harris bank pavilion at, uh, 
Nestle quick field. Or like <laughs> but, you know, back in the day, it was just called the Metro Center. And it's, yeah. a, it's an eight, eight to 10,000 seat hockey basketball arena. And every big band would come through. You know, it was a secondary market. Chicago's an hour and a half away. Yeah. But, you know, if you've already played the United Center in Chicago, then you come on the next go round, yeah. you play Rockford. And without fail, if, you know, if Rick was in town, on every band would just stop by for beers and drugs or whatever later. Yeah party favors after the gig and you know there's just tour buses parked out front and here comes guns and roses walking up the driveway or yeah motley, motley crew came over a handful of times i remember in my childhood and you know you name it and they probably stopped by at least to say hello for 20 minutes or or to pass out in the front porch until you know noon the next day who knows yeah. but you know that's when when my heroes would come over and tell me how influential my dad was to them or that's when i started to go like wait what yeah, you know, because yeah. like I said, when who are you, I who, who are you like who are some of your I'm not, yeah, and, Metallica, and, Guns and Roses? Oh, okay, yeah. Well, I just want to be clear, yeah, they didn't you're... come for the drugs per se. Well, yeah. but they, maybe they brought them. I don't yeah, know. yeah, probably brought they probably them. Had, they yeah. had a better connection at that point. But you know, yeah, my yeah. my, I grew up on rock and roll in the eighties. Yeah, you know, all those bands came through, and you know, the, the Metallica on the Black album stops by after you know, yeah, like my idols. Here's James Hetfield. He gave me his after show food because he didn't like Japanese foods. Uh-huh. You know, it's my favorite restaurant in town, you know. Yeah. Here, you want this kid? And like, oh, my God, I'm eating James Etfield's teppanyaki right now. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> just stuff like that, you know. But when you grow up around it, yeah, don't really think about it. I mean, I knew my, my best friend Dan's dad was kind of boring to him. But, like, you know, you don't think about it. His dad right. does this. Right. My dad does that. And Does – does – um. Does that uh, create a kind of a, a difficult um, dynamic with your? I mean, I don't want to get Howard Stern on you because I know. Oh, no, go ahead. Yeah, um, but 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 like, book. but does that come? Does that create um, difficulty in in figuring out like like who's friends with you because your dad's your dad and maybe James Hetfield might stop by, you know? <laughs> right? Or I mean, or or, or I mean, is, is, does that? influence you as you know growing up in that way uh, or do you I, become protective without, you know without a, yeah without we we definitely are when i got married my wife was like why do you lock the door when we go to bed or like why do we why do you want an alarm system I'm like, yeah because i've had strangers show up at the door at midnight before thinking they you know they knew who my, <laughs> they were friends with my dad and they were just some lunatic you yeah know? like that kind of stuff growing up especially in a small town yeah you know, rockford's just over a hundred thousand people you know so you can find out where anybody lives and you know, that kind of thing. And it's not even a paranoia thing. It's a, it's a realistic thing that somebody might show up just to see where you live or the, or these days, these days people know what my children look like. They know, they think they know me because of my Instagram posts and, and, oh and, no! Yeah, yeah. No, I, I. It's easy to back. find people these days. I mean, you just, yeah. it's just hard. You know, it's a scary yeah. thing for anybody that you know that that those that, that information's out there and you know. Yeah. Um, w- so I remember, you know, like I, growing up, I was an MTV generation. Admittedly, loved your band, you know, loved you know, loved Cheap Chick growing up, right? Um, and and your your dad, um, you know, was obviously the the character <laughs> that he was yeah. on TV, you know, at least on TV, you know. Um, uh, how how um, how different was home life? Uh, your your brother. Um, do you have a, you have a sister as well, or is it just you and your brother? Two older brothers who were born in seventy okay. three and seventy five. So they okay. were born before Cheap Trick even formed. Right. 
uh, and then a sister in 88. You know, okay. That's after the flame came out. They, <laughs> they got romantic. <laughs> My parents got romantic. Um, well, maybe it was the song, right? Like, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, she heard that and just couldn't help it. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, we're we're 15 years apart from old, oldest son to youngest daughter. So yeah. I'm, right, I'm right in the middle somewhere. So is home, is, is home life, uh, you know, growing up, is, is home life normal home life? Or, or was your dad, like, always dressed in, like, checkered suits? And, you know, I mean, you know. No. Like, <laughs> did, did, like, like you know, his Christmas pajamas pretty much look like the shit he was wearing on stage? He, you know? No, Rick Nielsen is Rick Nielsen. Ricky, I, he looks like he looks at all times. It's not an act. Yeah, I, I, I always tell people that there's two rock stars. I've ever met in my life that are exactly that person and one is Steven Tyler yeah he is always Steven Tyler <laughs> yeah you know you hear stories about Mick Jagger he's like this businessman and off right. stage he's very very he drinks his tea and does the books and yeah yeah <laughs> even Steven Tyler is a wild animal and 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 uh you know Rick Nielsen is definitely that's who he is at all times um so you, no matter what you know for good and or bad <laughs> so I you know I at some point I get I got divorced and I, I turned my living room into like a like a rehearsal studio essentially for my bands and you know just just to mess around and and i'm assuming your house was full of instruments and and, and things that were available to you why the yeah. drums like what was was that a function of your of your siblings doing other instruments or did you just gravitate to the drums you are a very astute man uh <laughs> yeah, definitely uh, my parents insisted that we all took piano lessons starting in kindergarten um my oldest brother and my sister both, you know, dropped out, if you will, after two or three years. Um, but I, I stayed on through high school mm-hmm. until I graduated. So I took 12 years of piano. And uh, right around 12 years old, I, there's like you said, there's always a guitar 10 laying around. Yeah. There was always a drum set in the basement. So I just kind of taught myself how to, how to play every instrument I could find um, with the theory I had from piano. It's interesting uh, that your parents insisted that you take piano lessons. That's that's, yeah, that's I, a little rigid, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I think so. But I mean, I always say that you, you know, you, were they trying right to hand. groom a next generation of musicians? Was this something that, you know, was this part of the the Nielsen backup plan, knowing that Bunny was like, you know, at, at some point, you know, somebody we're gonna we might need a session keyboard player at some point, you know? Yeah, yeah. Who knows? I, I don't think there's any plan involved. Just just given you know the chance. My my oldest brother ended up becoming a professional golfer. For, you know full ride to college and then he went and did the um the hooters tour and the nike nice. tour nice. went to q school to do the pga but it just said like that next level was yeah. impossible to crack but so no it was never like forced upon us but it was definitely if you wanted to learn here's yeah. all this stuff that you know you know my dad never threw a baseball in his life so you know yeah. he wasn't going to teach this us this he wasn't going to give yeah. us you know a, a basketball hoop in the backyard because right. he, he never he never did it so um is your mom yeah, I, I, was your mom a, a musician too like, no yeah. not at all okay. she, she she can't even play the radio so <laughs> <laughs> but yeah for me I, to answer your question and i i was i was always a really really shy kid yeah like uncomfortably shy I, like hide behind my parents when they introduced me to somebody and yeah i think i just kind of transferred that to the drum set where i could kind of i never wanted to be the guy up front um, so that I was comfortable back there. And also I had a dad who was a guitar player and my older brother, Miles was a very good guitar player. Mm-hmm. So just kind of, you know, nobody else really played drums in the band in yeah. the family. So 
you know, there was no plan of ever having a family band until last year. Yeah, who st- uh, who got but, stuck with bass is the question. You know, like, <laughs> like, we always hired those out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Whoever had the the PA yeah. or the, the when, when you're jamming at home, you know, like you just you don't throw mom I mean, mom on the no, bass. You know, <laughs> no disrespect to any bass players, but you know, if you play a guitar, you could probably fake it on the bass. Uh, yeah, so. yeah. But yeah. but hey, I will say a good bass player is almost impossible to find. Like a really good mm-hmm. one is not a dime a dozen by yeah. any means. No kidding. No kidding. But, yeah, my 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 uh my aunt was the bass bass player in a band called the uh, Kid Creole and the Coconuts. Oh, cool! And uh, which which your dad uh, your dad probably knows they were like you know internationally famous at one point you know but but it, I've it, heard of Kid Creole but I thought yeah yeah was a, Kid Creole and the Coconuts was a band and uh, she was she was a, a very sought after she played bass with Ice T I think at one point wow. but but um but in the in the 80s she you know like like most people hadn't heard heard of the band in the states they were really more popular in Europe and whatnot but um you know like David Lee Roth liked them you know but it was <laughs> but uh but in the 80s they she uh she was sought after by uh by both Sting at and uh Prince and and she turned them both down and I was I never forgave her that just oh. simply never forgave her. But, but yeah, bass players are so, you know, hard to find, hard to find. Um, so, so, okay. So you, so you're, you're, you start playing drums, but, but you were a keyboard player that started playing drums is essentially what happened. No, I mean, I never, it's funny because I'm, I'm sure a lot of kids would tell you this same thing that when I didn't, when I no longer took lessons, then I sat down and really loved to play piano. But yeah. like when I had to go to lessons, I hated it. Right. But it was just kind of, you know, every week for an hour, I would, learn theory and memorize songs and just learn my piano teacher was great and she would just say you know what do you want to learn and she'd let me learn new music or, yeah. you know let's figure out a, a song you like off the radio let's learn how to play Smart. that yeah it, you know we did the, the beethovens and the mozarts and all that stuff too but you know so yeah. every week i'd go hey i love this new george harrison song you know got my mind set on you like let's figure yeah. that out and she would you know so i learned kind of rock and roll piano versus as well as classical but which is you know i i, I taught guitar for a short period of time and I, I i never learned like really how to play guitar from a theoretical standpoint but like i knew that like the 15 year old kids that i was teaching guitar to their purposes were different like they wanted mm-hmm. to play they wanted to play so they can someday maybe go to a party and right. like and like play <laughs> and you know meet meet girls or whatever you know, yeah. like, you're like that was that you know get in a band and be able to play that stuff, you know, it's, it's uh, cliche, but I will tell you that I le- I went to Andrew Brearley's house one night and I was a shy kid and, you know, kind of dorky or whatever you want to say it, but he had a, his brother had a drum set, John, and we're at a party with all these hot girls Yeah, and nobody was talking to me. And so I like went down in the basement and just started jamming. And next thing I know, the whole party was downstairs watching me play and right. they all thought it was cool. I was like, wait a second. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, it's totally cliche, but it's, that is literally organically how it, I realized, wait, all these jocks, they can't do this. Like, that's right. Nobody else can do this. Me? <laughs> this is great. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I tried to, I tried to be a jock and I, I just couldn't stop getting injured. So like this, like that was my only path, you know, right. I mean, look, you know, I mean, look at me. I mean, that's, it was my only path <laughs> to getting, you know, to, to get, to getting uh, attention, you know, and, um, uh, and it works. It just, it, for those kids out there that there's no, probably not a lot of like, young kids listening to this but those kids that are listening to this it works learn an instrument sure right? you know if you care about it and you don't feel comfortable in your skin 
learn an instrument. It still yes. works today. I mean, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's, it's magic. <laughs> it's subliminal. It's just, it's, it hits your, your core. I mean, look That's at right. babies. Babies move to the beat. You That's know, right. Yeah. Doing, they just feel it. The go, first oh, things yeah. they do, they can't even walk and they're bouncing their butts yep. up and down, yep. you know, to Absolutely. music. It works. It works. Uh, so, so, um, but um, when did, when did you realize that you, had a natural, I mean, obviously there's, there's music in your blood, but, but right. did, did it come naturally to you? I mean, was it something that you just was like up behind the kit and it just worked or it did? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And it was something, you know, the first time in my life that it made my body made sense. You know, like yeah. I said, I was never an athlete. So like I would, I was that kid that would get hit in the nose every time by the, by a ball. Like yeah. I, just can't, I can't catch this thing. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> You sit down and play piano or guitar or drums, and it just was it just fell immediately in. like, oh, it just like I would wake up knowing how to play a song from a dream I had, and like just sit down there it was kind yeah. of thing. You know? Had you been watching? It's got to be genetic. It's got to be something genetic that just like it made sense. You know? Well, yeah, I'm sure. Without question, I, I, you know, I, I was wondering like, was it something also that was very observational, where you, you know, you to the degree where I don't know where where you're where Cheap Trick used to rehearse, but like, were you there at rehearsals where you were just sitting there watching, watching Bunny and, you Yeah, know, I, I think so. You know, I mean, it's, it's somewhat vague in my memory, but I would, without a doubt, I, I, I would just soaked it all in. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I went to concerts constantly because, you know, we always had passes. We watched from the stage or the side of the stage at least. So you're super close to these guys. Yeah. Who yeah. Are, are massive and, and super successful doing music. And like, yeah. so that's how you do that. Oh, okay. I always wondered, Oh, he, you know, he led with his left hand on that drum fill or whatever it would be. And somehow in my brain, when I watched drummers, I would, I, would, I could, I, I was able to slow it down and analyze and what, they were see doing. what they were like, what pattern they were doing with their hands. And yeah, you know, I think most people that just doesn't come as easily as, yeah. as it did for me. Did you, did you begin studying like the theory of drumming in that sense? I mean, like, were you, were you looking at like musical notations or was it just purely like by not till college not till college yeah. or you know i never took drum i took a few drum lessons and i took it from this guy who was pretty renowned in this area and but he was really old school and one day i, I was taking a lesson and he literally he hit my hand with a drumstick because <laughs> i did something wrong and it was like you know just being a, a quiet little kid it's like that that was enough for me to never go back yeah yeah um you know but luckily i i you know i wish i had taken more lessons and I, you know i still I've, you know, I, I work through books now on my own. Um, but it was kind of that punk rock thing too. Like only, yeah, the only guys yeah. that I knew that took lessons were like jazzers and, and guys that would right. never be in a rock band. So like, I don't need that stuff. I'll just put my headphones on and, and practice until I yeah. get it, which, you know, which is fine. Yeah, perhaps until you, you get into the studio and you realize, okay, this, yeah, I'm slamming out of this fucking measure. You know, <laughs> you, see a, you yeah. see a guy like yeah. Kenny Arnoff or whoever, who can like, yeah. go through a song in real time and chart it out and then one minute later be behind the kit yeah and the whole thing's written down so there's absolutely no mistakes and right yeah i wish i had gotten better at that in an earlier age I, I i can do it now but it's definitely not a second second language for I, me. you know i i i feel like um at least from from a recording standpoint you listen to some of the stuff so, and there's no disrespect to to like session drummers that know they're that know their shit. So, I mean, they, mm -hmm. like they're, they're, they're all over every, every piece of music, it seems, but, but you can, you can tell when somebody is, is no longer loose in that respect, you know, like, right. they, like there's just a, there's something, 
you go back to you know like maybe it's punk or rock or whatever like there's a there's a a charm in in missing it a little bit you know mm-hmm. and not nailing it the way that somebody that's studied um, you know, you know, that's you know somebody that's throwing paint on the wall. Sometimes hits something beautiful, and it's just I don't know. I mean, for me, I, I, I you know, I, I love I love both sides of it, but I I do think that you can really hear when a drummer's just you know completely untrained and, yeah, and still so awesome. You know, mm-hmm. um, what what um so you mentioned that you were idol, you know, like your idols were like. Metallica and Guns N' Roses and, and, and in those in your earlier days mm-hmm. is that is that the music that or the style of music that when you started playing in bands you were doing I mean like wh- tell me about your first bands uh yeah I mean yes without a doubt that like basic meat and potatoes rock and roll was was my my formidable years um my first band was called Asmodeus which was a Dungeons and Drag- Dragons character I guess <laughs> our guitar players are told D and D nerd, um, but we played all Metallica covers. Yeah, you know, I, my first drum set was a double kick, Black Vista Light Ludwig drum set. Yeah, uh, and then my second band was when I was fourteen called Wuss, and we were more like new metal, I guess, Rage Against the Machine, Corn style. Yeah, but then you know, about sixteen or seventeen, then I really like, and to this day, I, my my musical knowledge is going backwards. You know, I'm, I'm I keep okay, I like this band who did they listen to? And then you go back and you find out, Oh my God, these guys listen to so-and-so. And Oh, this, yeah. this is the greatest band. And who did, who did Ozzy Osbourne listen to? Well, he listened to his favorite albums or his favorite artist is the Beatles. Right. Oh, cool. Let me check that out. And you know, of course there's Beatles albums around the house, but when you're most likely when you're 12 to 15, you don't, you know, in the eighties, nineties, yeah. you know, they were already old by that point, you know, yeah. kind of thing. I'm sure, I'm sure nobody's shocked that in that cheap trick, uh, right. had, had Beatles albums in the house. <laughs> like um, no, yeah, but no, yeah, you know, but, I, same with being an athlete. I kind of yeah. quickly realized I was never going to be a metal drummer. I was yeah. never, my feet were never fast enough. And just, it was too hard to find good metal musicians in Rockford. So you end up playing, you know, classic rock or, or you know, Nirvana, that kind of stuff. And yeah, just yeah. slowly but surely, my, my influences switched more to, you know, Beatles, Stones, uh, then I started really getting into Sting, you know, solo stuff with Vinny Cayuta and yeah. Montecache and that stuff. And then I really got into Government Mule, Matt Apps on drums, you know. And then you start getting into like the the Allman Brothers and and that kind of stuff, jam bandy stuff. And Medeski Martin and Wood was a big influence when I was about mm-hmm. seventeen, eighteen. And that's more on the jazz side. So then I really started diving into that. And so huh. I think my, you know my my tastes have kind of changed over the years, which has kind of rounded out my drumming. Yeah. What are you listening so, to now? Uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. I, I inherited uh, my father-in-law's vinyl recently, so I'm, I'm just yeah. once again going back and forth. But my favorite band, I tell everybody, is a band out of Toronto called Zeus. Zeus, and and they're on. I think they're still maybe on Arts and Crafts Arts and Crafts album okay. label. Um, they've got about three or four albums out, and they are the perfect mixture to me of the Beatles, uh, John Lennon and Paul McCartney's solo stuff. Really? Credence meets Queen meets like every one of my influences, this band, they write songs that somehow I think got lost in those artists, you know, repertoire somewhere. And, you know, the band called Zeus and they're, you know, they're, they're proper Canadian boys that just, you know, they they don't think they're, you know trying too hard to get out of canada you know it's one of those things like come on guys well, yeah. well we don't have passports you know like what do you mean like, yeah. well, i don't know yeah. we, don't, we don't ever leave like okay well 
I, I, but, I, I just interviewed uh, recently Ron Sacksmith, who's a, uh, oh, yeah. uh, you know, one of the greatest Canadian, as far as I'm concerned, among the greatest Canadian singer-songwriters, you know. Definitely. Well, not, not just Canadian. I think he's one of the greatest song, singer-songwriters in the yeah, world. Right. But, um, but yeah, and then and, uh, Matt Pond, who's, who's uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but Matt Pond, no. he, Matt Pond is album after album, one of the, like, like most awesome singer songwriters uh, ever. Yeah. He's, it's kind of weird the way the metadata works in like uh, Apple music and the stuff. So it's either Matt Pond or Matt Pond PA. His earlier stuff is under Matt Pond PA. And then the later stuff is under Matt Pond. It's so good. So good. Um, Really, really, really amazing guy. Um, uh, um, So, okay. So, so um, you, you start playing, uh, in in these bands, and and then it's at some point you wind up playing original music, right? You said you were doing covers and and, and a lot of that stuff originally, right. like Metallica covers. Um, no, but both both of my original bands when I was twelve and fourteen, we we made tape, we, we oh, made did? recordings of original stuff. Yeah, so oh, I've been okay. a writer. I've been a writer since since I was twelve. You know, never written anything of note. You know, yeah, hit songs, but you know, I've I've definitely contributed to every album I've really been a part of that i was allowed to write for is it frustrating to write for as a drummer like like you're writing the music but then you've got to like put like the melody and the singing in the hands of people that are not you uh do you sing uh i I sing backgrounds i was i never had my brother miles he was the lead singer in the in the family right continues to be um so no, I've always been a, a background singer. <laughs> so was it Miles that was doing the when you did these original bands? Was it with Miles and always uh, later or, on my okay. high school high school until I was twenty four we had a band together that right. uh, put out a few albums and whatnot. But yeah, he was my main thing. That's Harmony. That day, was Harmony I, Riley. Was that what correct, that, yeah, okay. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, for me, I, I I write I write music all day long, melodies included that right. I usually put into my demos. But writing lyrics has always been, I, I don't know if it's just I'm insecure about my, I, you know, yeah. I, just, I can never write lyrics. So I, that's, I, you know, finishing a song is always up to somebody else. For yeah. me. You know, like, I, here's my piece of music. Here's exactly what the structure is. You know, I, I when I do, I've got a studio, I put all, I do all the drums, bass, guitar, piano. Yeah. And then I usually use probably a keyboard and do the melody as a guide melody for whoever is going to write the words for me yeah I, I'm, I'm i'm literally the opposite I, I've, I've been most comfortable as a lyricist and then then the the music was always something i had to figure out um okay. maybe you're my guy maybe yeah. hey let's do it <laughs> <laughs> I'll, 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 first band well, meeting. Well, yeah I'll, I'll i'll send you my resume but um, okay yeah but i uh but i that was all you know it's it's, it's you know, I, I would have been fine being Bernie Taupin, you know, like that's, right. that's, and, and what's funny is I really don't like poets, like, like, <laughs> like, right. like, like poets, I don't know, there's something about like calling yourself a poet, I'd rather, you know, like I like lyrics, not poet, poetry per, per se, but, um, but uh, so um, when, how did you wind up with, was it Dick Dale that was first, like in terms of like nationally known, like how did that happen? Oh, it's a funny so Harmony Riley was my band yeah. with my brother Miles, and we we did about seven years. We tried to make it, quote unquote, uh, but we we got big in the Midwest. We would sell out the House of Blues in Chicago two or yeah. three times a year, which is fifteen hundred, two thousand people. That's great. You know, we got to tour with all these really great bands, but we just never got label interest. We never, you know, we tried to build up a grassroots following. We played anywhere for anyone, and we had we were we were kind of a jam band, 
so we could play for four hours if need be. You know, right. we played this bar called SOPs in Peoria, Illinois. We didn't start till eleven, and the bar closed at four. You know, yeah. we had to play the whole time. Um, <laughs> so fast forward, the the band didn't make it, and I was twenty three, twenty four years old, and I said, I'm going to move to L.A. Mm. Um, in the meantime, uh, this guy Bill Dolan, guitar player in Rockford, Illinois, um, he had been in a band called the Fire Theft, which was part of Sunny Day Real Estate. Mm, which yeah. later on yeah. went to become the Foo Fighters. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Bill was an amazing guitar player, a band called Five Style that was on Sub Pop. And one day he called me and our bass player from Harmony Riley and said, hey, you know, would you guys be interested in being my backup band for one night playing in Rockford, opening for this, you know, Dick Dale, the surf guitar guy? And we're, of course. So that was literally my first hired gig ever. Mm-hmm. And I think he paid me 20 bucks or something like that and <laughs> a couple of beer tickets, but... I ended up meeting Dick Dale's band that night and said, Hey, I think I'm gonna move to LA. And you know, in the next year or so I got to save some money first. But so I kept their numbers. And when I moved to LA, I called Dusty, the drummer. And he's like, I can't believe you have my number. I was like, I told you, I was like, oh, I told you I'd call you. And he's yeah. like, yeah, that was like a year ago. So long story, even longer, he ended up getting this. Um, uh, he was a pretty well known around LA for doing bar gigs and whatnot. And when he went out with Dick Dale, he goes, here's a couple gigs and after he'd come back and he'd get the the review from the guy that hired me and you know always did a good job always professional blah 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 yeah so he ended up getting the super suckers gig dusty did uh-huh. and he left dick dale and just basically said do you want my my chair and yeah because you, you know you've always done right by me when i've given you other gigs and so i mean i kept on i kept a number for a year and called yeah. it and I mean, that, you know, I'd, I'd gone out for lots of auditions and Brendan Buckley always got the gig. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that was, that was my first L.A. experience was doing a, a few of those cattle call things and nail, just doing a great job and walking out and hear Brendan's and Brendan, next guy Brendan walking walks in. Like, ah. <laughs> like, like his, his like jujitsu ju- mind, you know, like yeah. everything is, you know, well yeah. plotted out. And very yeah, right. well, he's, no. he's great. He's fantastic. And I just I knew immediately <laughs> that he was going to get the gig and I wasn't. But it was a good experience. So but also, you know, Brendan, luckily, we, you know, Brendan and I talked about um, how, you know, like he's gotten gigs and it's kind of in the same way where like people you know he's got a conflict you know he can't go out with this band or another band and and need somebody to fill in and and yeah. and that's just you know but he you know that i was i was kind of amazed at how how free everybody's just kind of passing gigs to to other amazing i guess you get to this certain level where you know who who can do it and, and yeah you know. or you have a friend that you just you feel bad for or you know you know a guy that is available and you yeah. can't but you, you you know, I, I've always thought there's something really good in being the guy that can help somebody else out. Whereas you're a singer songwriter, you need, you asked me to play drums. I can't do it, but I want to help you find the, the right guy. Right. Cause it's good. I mean, it might, I might never get that gig again, but yeah, you, you're, you think I, you know, you're happy that I helped you out and you're going to tell people like, Oh yeah, Dax, great guy. You know, he, he got Brendan's number for me or whatever yeah. it would be, you yeah. know, I, there's nothing wrong with, just saying, sorry, I'm not available, you know, and I, I'm not going to tell you who is. Like, what good does that do anybody? Right. So, how was Dick Dale? He was great. I mean, I learned so much at the time. He was already late 60s. Yeah. When I when I was playing for him, I was 24 years old when I started. So, yeah. You know, talk about a, a career that he was massive in the 60s, and then the Beatles ended his career. I always say, like, Dick Dale is the equivalent of Poison, and the Beatles were Nirvana. Really? Like. 
Poison is massive, and then here comes grunge, and just like suddenly all these hair bands are out of a are out of a gig. Dick Dale was like surf rock was everything. Yeah, it was everything, yeah. and then the Beatles came along, just ruined everybody's career basically <laughs> so he didn't ha- i mean he had a bunch of money for yeah. the time and he ended up uh building like three of the biggest nightclubs in southern california and becoming very successful doing that uh-huh and then in 93 or whatever it was pulp fiction came out and totally 30 years later yeah next started thing, next thing you know he's touring career. he's touring everywhere again yeah next yeah. thing you know he's he's the world famous dick dale that nobody had ever heard of yeah. you know you kind of knew of him but oh wow I had, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm like not remembering this, but I I remember in the '90s him like coming down to South Florida and playing like probably like, like yeah. playing a shithole uh, bar called Sounds Churchill's, but but <laughs> which is <laughs> right. like where kind of where I where I grew up and but um but 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 it would it would have been packed with you know 300 people you know for him yeah. you know or something. I mean like he was that, funny because yeah. he he did all of his own booking, yeah. but he would he would do it under an alias. Oh, no. <laughs> so like we'd be in the van and be like yeah this is this is brian you, know, like, you sound just like dick dale no no no, 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 no dick, yeah. he's, uh, he's in the other vehicle right now what, what can i do dick can't talk right now but uh... he'd be talking in third person all the time it was just so funny just but you know what like he'd find a a, a, a club that he liked to play and he'd, yeah. he'd be loyal we'd play there every year same you know basically the same date he would just rebook that yeah i'll see you next 2005 year. Yeah. tour he'd just rebook it for 2006 and, and play the same circuit what was it like touring at 24 with a 60 year old i can't talk about it <laughs> I, <laughs> I saw some stuff that you that it's, it was unbelievable. i mean he's passed you can talk about it i think the statue yeah, he's I mean, gone uh, you know he's not gonna, he can't sue you <laughs> i mean I learned so let's much break some, about. Let's break some news, Dax. Come on, man. <laughs> I'll tell you some stuff off here that I, I really can't tell on here. Uh, but great. you know, a lot of stuff. Just him. He he'd been beaten around. He, he's a very very tough guy. Talk about jujitsu, and he was a martial artist. Yeah. He, he literally, you can Google it. He, he owned he owned three or four tigers that would like sleep in his bed with him, and he wasn't afraid. He's like, you look those animals in the eye, and you tell them who's boss. Oh my god! Like this guy had no fear at all. So when I say he was beaten around. I don't mean literally, yeah. But, but you know, but, he'd, but you might he'd have been, been through the ringer his <laughs> career, and he just kept persevering, and he didn't sit, take no for an answer. And oh, that's fantastic. You know, we're playing these clubs, and he would go up there. It's, he'd be exhausted, 67, 68 years old, and go up, and we'd play for two hours straight. Yeah, and he'd you know, he'd base he'd leave it all out there, and the same with cheap trick. I, you know, I've never seen anybody phone it in, and that that kind of stuff. You, you realize that's how you got that's how you have to do it. You go up there and yeah. you give the crowd a show. And then you go back and lay around for 20 hours a day when you're not on stage if you need to, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and uh, we'll, 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 I want to spend a little bit of time on, on Cheap Trick, of course. But um, but uh, speaking to that point, like I, somebody, one of my friends posted like a bootleg audio of a, a Cheap Trick show like in... Uh, where was it? It was like at some, like some, like Six Flags kind of, like, like a bush gardens or something like that in yeah. 1992 or you know, I don't know what it sure. and it's just <clears throat> it's amazing the stuff stayed on cassette in the sense that it was so bombastic that you know yeah. like that it just it, like there's no like tape almost couldn't capture it you know and it's... and and every cheap trick show seems to seems to be that like it doesn't Absolutely. it just does, doesn't relent and you know um 
so um, before we get more to Cheap Trick and 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 you know your your role in it, um, uh, you, you've done you've done some other uh, bands that are that are notable. Um, Smashing Pumpkins is one of them. How long were you playing with them? Uh, I, like I said, a, more I sessions, a, a session, a few sessions with Billy. Yeah. He, you know, he'd called me up and yeah, I went up to this mansion out in the hills somewhere, and he yeah. was kind of holed up in and just recorded for a few days. But no, yeah, he's was, supposed to be notoriously difficult. But um, did you? Find- he's, you know, I, I've known him since I was in high school. Big Cheap Trick fan. I yeah, think he and he and Rick had written together or you know, right. something like that. And you know, I, it, that's one of those cases where being rick's son definitely you see the best side of a lot of people you yeah know, I, I can't i can't speak to the, the negative side of billy corgan because he's only been yeah. cordial and and he called me i mean there's a million drummers in la he said i could you want to come out and be on yeah. my album yeah or potentially be on my album so no it was it was interesting i mean like i said he wrote 75 songs for one album and yeah you know, so so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do the math so you were you you were probably about uh 10 when pearl jam came out right 10 when 10 came out um you must I, have been something like that was that 91 92 93 so probably yeah. 12 13 yeah because i was because uh, i was graduating high school um when i graduated when, in 98 so yeah so i graduated in 91 so you were something yeah you were probably like 11 maybe or so because yeah. i remember, <laughs> that, I remember that while. yeah and uh and and then you find yourself at some point playing with uh with eddie vetter how about that so um uh, we're, i still like i still pinch myself there's it's on youtube it's on, you know i've got recordings of it yeah i got to be eddie vetter's drummer for two nights yeah you know it was unbelievable and it was we played for three hours and you know i only learned he gave me a list of like 10 songs and we just hey you know this song by you know you know pink floyd you know dark side of the moon backward and forward like sure good you know yeah i'm not gonna tell him no yeah (laughs) so 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 in those moments and by the way what like no you know not to disparage billy corgan but but like eddie vetter is one of the notoriously classy people in in the in 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 the music industry um the two two nicest people i've ever met that are genuinely great people are dave girl and eddie vetter yeah they are like dave girl will sit and talk to you and eddie vetter i'll he is that person that if there's a room of 150 people every one of them wants to talk to him yeah he looks you in the eye he's talking to only you at that he's not looking around to see who he's going to talk to next yeah i've never met a super celebrity like him that i was the only person in the room right it was uncanny it was it was you know who else is like that joe biden i I, I met joe biden and it was the same thing same thing like he just was like you know yeah yeah. it's i don't have the attention span i I can't help but kind of fidget yeah when you talk to somebody like that, that you know, Dave Grohl's the same way, you know. Yeah. Just like talk to him, you're like, you are the most famous person in in the one of the one of the most famous musicians in the world, and yeah. you are yeah. sitting here talking to me, and you don't have any, you're not looking around the room to see who else you need to talk to. It was it's un, it's and then play music with him for two nights and. Yeah, I I I I, uh, I was at a sushi restaurant um, in in Encino and. And my wife, I was kind of facing the wall, and my wife goes, "I think, I think Dave Grohl is is behind you," and I'm, you know, you, you know, and um, but in, in in doing that, I accidentally like knocked over a glass and and like broke a glass practically, all, like in water, like all over Dave Grohl's daughter, 
And he couldn't have been nicer. So yeah. <laughs> he bought you dinner. No, he did not buy me dinner. Daughter was there. He owes me yeah. a dinner, but yeah, right. I owe his daughter like you know, uh, you know, probably <laughs> a new pair of pants or something. Um. So okay. So uh, but how? So when you when Dick, when uh, Eddie st- starts throwing those songs out, like, what do you have to do? Do you do you go and and study for like ten hours? I mean, how? Did, what's your? I did. Yeah. Um. You know, it was one of those things where it 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 was brought up to my attention that I was going to be playing for him. And at the time, like there wasn't a set list. So, you know, being a huge Pearl Jam fan yeah. and, and Eddie Vedder fan, I kind of knew what songs he loves to play when he's out on his own. You know, he does a lot of covers. Um, and so I kind of like just played everything I could think of. Yeah. And then as a day or two before the shows happened, it was like, well, he definitely wants to play this one and that one. And, yeah, check out this YouTube version of this thing he did at this gig because that's how it, that's the structure he wants to do. And, and but nothing prepares can, you for actually getting up there and okay, it's time to actually play it. Yeah, and, can you, you know, can you hear something once or twice and just go okay, I got the structure, I know what I'm doing. I'm just gonna sit and, yes. you know, and, and just fortunate. And, and yes. it. Yeah, I mean for the most part. Yeah, um, you're to my recollection, um. Cheap Trick does not do much, if any, sequence, uh, sequencing. <laughs> no. <Right? laughs> no um, they, throughout the years, they've come, come and gone with like having an auxiliary keyboard player. Yeah. For like the 80s stuff. And it's like, do we really need a guy for like five songs a set that we're, you know, yeah. we're paying him salary and yeah. playing tickets? I was talking to Brendan about like, you know, the difference uh, uh, between playing with bands that, you know, like Shakira, where the, where the set list might be, you know, pretty static and and much of mm-hmm. the much of the background is sequenced in some form mm-hmm. or fashion or there's drum loops on the top of the stuff that he's doing or whatever have you found yourself in those kinds of situations where you where you have to have a a, a more sequenced um aspect uh to 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 what you do and and are you comfortable in those areas or is it or or do you yeah. just like gravitate to bands where you don't have to do that a couple of years ago, I got hired by a band, and it was the first time I had to use a a, a Roland, you know, SPX, whatever, what are they called, PDX, SPD. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I had to get one of those, and and I think I actually called Brian, Brendan up, and a few other people, and how, how do you use this stuff? And the guys sent me the stems, and I had to yeah. program it. It's really, really great, and it's also really, really nerve wracking because if anything goes wrong, if the band gets off of the pre, the pre-programmed stuff, then it's a train yeah. wreck. Right. Whereas right. if you're just playing live, you know, you go with it and you you kind of follow follow the singer. That's always the key. Like, yeah. In the studio, the if you get off the click, the course, you, yeah. In the yeah. studio, if you get off the click, you just start the takeover. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so you know, there, there there was a few times, not a few, maybe once or twice in this tour I did where you had to like just knock the track off because some somebody's off, something yeah. went wrong, and it's fine. Like the audience. You know, the, I, you know. Sometimes I think people use those things, and they think that people actually notice that there's a tambourine being played. Yeah. By the by the, by the trigger, you know, like the song is a song. Right. So I've been fortunate enough to not have to use that stuff too much, but I've I have learned it, and I've used it with a few a few different artists. Yeah, yeah. I, I it, it can be it can be frightening because you have yeah, to play yeah, along. I, with I, I imagine, but it's right. something that you can like like if it's not going well, you just. You just hit it off, and it's and just, yeah. Is that up to you at that point, or is somebody in the background yeah. going, "Okay, yeah, well, yeah." For for what I was doing, I was in charge of it. But for yeah. for a band like Shakira, there's probably a, a Pro Tools person that's in the back, that is like yeah, okay, on the side of the stage that is running everything. And if anything goes wrong, they are so fast, and they they lock it back, they cut and paste, and whatever they do. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so that there there's a, a fifth beetle on you know off stage over there, <laughs> but. 
Yeah. So okay. So so um, you you joined Cheap Trick in in what year? 2010. March 2010. Of 2010. So you've been 11 years. Yeah. And and um, you mentioned that how they have gone, you know, kind of back and forth between stadiums and and you know smaller arenas. Let's say you know mm-hmm. and. I think one of the most remarkable it's one of the most remarkable pieces of that is that you know lots of bands can't handle the ups and downs right like they're just it you know to have success and to lose it mm-hmm. um, and they never I mean they were always revered but but always but but to go from that level and 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 the difficulty of 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 trying to assess what is a successful tour both financially and emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you think, um, what do you think drives that, their ability to do that, you know, as, as a team, I mean, you're part, you're now part of this team and, and, um, you know, and, and, and you're still pulling out albums, um, but, yeah. and, and, uh, you know, now you're in the rock, you know, the band's in the rock and roll hall of fame and, you know, I mean, it, it, it the credit is, is, is always been there, but it's, it's probably more so than ever. Cause now there's like three generations of bands that look back and, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, but what do you, where's that? Where do you think this comes from? This ability to say, I'm, you know, I'm going to just, we're just going to keep this thing together because we know it's going to come around again and, or maybe it won't, but what the hell, you know? Where, yeah. I, I, I can't really speak to it. You know, they, they started, geez, you know, they've been a band, five years longer than I've been alive. Yeah. But uh, you know, I, I think it's the love of playing. I think when you meet it's my parents have been married 50 some years now, like they got married in 69 they're still married. I think when you find somebody that it, it just works with, yeah, yeah there, there's, there's tough times. There's, there's great times, but when it works, it works. And, and I kind of, what else do you do? I mean, I've always thought there's, there's a, there's hired guns and there's band people and you know, like some people are okay going from one thing to the other and they can get hired and work for an artist. But like, I think cheap trick was just a band. Yeah. They're still just a band, you know, like they've played on other people's albums, but never as like a professional musician. They got, because they were the guy in cheap trick that was guesting on an album kind of thing. Right. Um, And you know, time kind of flies as well. I mean, I've been in the band 11 years now and it it doesn't feel like it by any means. Um, There's crummy gigs and there's amazing things that, you kind of only really think about the amazing things, you know, <laughs> like yeah. two nights of my life. I played for Eddie Vedder. How about the other 363 days that year? I don't know what happened. Those two nights made my year, you know? Right. Yeah. People always ask, you know, do you ever get sick of, does the band ever get sick of playing? I want you to want me. Like, how could you? Right. Like the crowd goes nuts. The It's a different venue every time, you know, whatever the story, I think you just keep going and, I think if you're literally selling no tickets and nobody wants to hear you, then you say, Hey, let's wrap it up guys. But that's never been there. Always yeah. kind of found their way back to, Hey, we had a couple of three, four five really good years. And this next year is kind of, you know, we're playing the rodeo and, and yeah. you know, birthday yeah. parties, but next year we're going to be back to, you know, we're going to put a single out and they're, we're going to be huge again, you know? Yeah. But I, you know, I'm, I'm on four albums in the last, you know, we put them all out pretty quickly, but, in 10 years we're on i'm I'm on for they keep putting out new material and yeah this last year we've sent each other demos to put out another album hopefully you know next year or whatever it would be yeah i think you just, you just keep going and at some point they're going to get old i mean they're, they're 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 up there in the age but not mentally but 
right. just think you keep going and hopefully they, they've been fortunate enough to they've all you know been able to buy houses and, and raise children and you know nobody's ever been homeless or you know or, or yeah. dirt poor you know i think everybody's no matter who you are you've had rough patches in your life yeah what else yeah. would you really do you know you're the guy in cheap trick and people think you're pretty cool and and you have a great band so why wouldn't you just keep going yeah and and i mean and, and the band i mean not that the band hasn't had its you know uh dissensions you know or, or what, what, what you know there there yeah. have, there have been uh, people yeah. that have left, let's say, um, uh, but at the same time, just to to even have three people to be able to withstand, forget even if they were successful. I mean, how many bands do you look at and they're 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 consistently successful and they can't, right. you know, or like Aerosmith, you, you, you know, like, you know, you <laughs> too, yeah. <laughs> but there's a few bands like you too, but 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 most other bands, you know, I mean, even Bruce Springsteen, like you know, shit can the East street band for, you know, a decade right. or so, you know? Right. Um, uh, but I, uh, it, it is pretty remarkable that they are, they have been able to do that. I imagine that, it, that on some of the smaller gigs, the, the, the biggest problem is like how many guitars does your dad get to bring? Like, do I bring 20 or just, you know, the normal 50? You know. Well, he, I mean, he's the collector, it's not because the, you know, it's not even because the audience needs to see all my guitars. It's just like, he wants to play this one for this song. Like, yeah. Yeah. This is the right st- guitar for that song. Yeah. And but now it's just that. a thing. You know? well, it's also just a thing. Yeah. Not now it's been a thing, you know, it's but, definitely, we do, we do some fly dates here and there and, you know, he, we have to like the crew carries three or four guitars and you can definitely tell like, he's just, Oh, this one again. Like yeah. I played this one two songs ago. What are you talking about? Yeah. You know, it's, it's pretty, <laughs> comical so 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 the, the the nielsen trust tell me about the nielsen trust yeah uh so as we talked about my brother and i had a band for seven years and now my dad and i have been in the band for a decade and um it just came up where cheap trick actually had some time off last year 2020 had about a month off and we just said hey let's get together and so it just kind of it happened we rehearsed a bunch we learned a bunch of Cheap Trick rarities that Cheap Trick wouldn't necessarily play live. And Rick learned some of our original material and my brother has his own band and we learned some of those songs and we got to two dates in and the rest of the tour got canceled. So now we're kind of yeah amp- ramping up to do, to make up all those dates. So we're doing about 11 shows next month. Nice. Where, where, whereabouts? Uh, starts in Iowa and, and we end up in Pennsylvania. So just kind of Midwest out to the East. Gotcha. So yeah, I mean, whoa, must be a storm. Did you see that? I did. (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure. You know, we we only have time to do 11 shows, or else we'd probably do some more. But I think Cheap Trick's about to ramp back up, and it's going to be good. So last year, you you have two small children, right? Yes. You know, five and three. You said is that right? And and um, two boys. boys. Um, Obviously, you know, coronavirus has been terrible, but. but it's got, I'm sure it's given you a chance to, to be home at, at a level that you're not normally home. Yeah. Um, it was one of the best years of my life, honestly. Yeah. It's, it's, I hate to say that, but it was, I got to spend a full year watching my little kids grow up. Yeah. Being with your wife and, and, uh, and, yeah. and, and, and doing it together. And now, so, so, um, as you, as you ramp back into touring and I, and I know it's, you know, it's not, it's not only your job, it's what you love to do. 
but um so like how how does this do you, do you take them on tour with you at, at any point or do you just you just uh, no, you know, yeah just do you just financially kind of you dip really in and that. out and, and and you do your shows come back do your shows come back yes. kind of, yeah. yeah i mean in a normal year cheap trick we, we we typically do we'll go out for five days come home for three go out for three go out for ten yeah come home for two weeks go out for three weeks that you know yeah go just for a weekend and come back for five days and so it's a it's a, typically it's a really wonderful thing where i can kind of mix and match you know yeah home life work life yeah but, um yeah i mean they're at the age too i mean they're so little that you know we typically don't even start playing till eight o'clock which is about the time they're getting ready for bed and my wife would be stuck in a hotel or, or on a bus or whatever it right be. it just wouldn't be yeah and, you know we cheap jerk either we're, do, we're either flying everywhere or we're on a bus one bus as a band so if, you know yeah hey guys you mind if i bring my wife and two little kids on the bus with us like, yeah uh, yes we do <laughs> yeah there's just not you know we're not at that stature where there's everybody has their own tour bus yeah hey, bring your family out you know i i think a tour bus costs 1500 bucks a day or something you know i'm not gonna yeah i'd do that myself so well and, and 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 let's face it you know you know most of cheap tricks a, a little older too they might be going to bed at eight o'clock you know <laughs> I, 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 think we were doing, I don't i would love to know what everybody was up to this year you know we we, we chat here and there but it definitely yeah. i think you know it's, there's a lot to catch up on i haven't really talked to anybody in a long in 450 days or something like that you know yeah yeah, yeah. wild I think, you know, everybody was kind of, I think everybody in the whole world thought this thing was going to last a month or two and then you will be back. You know, summer's probably going to get canceled, right. unfortunately, but you know, we'll, we'll rebook everything for September and yeah. September came and went and then spring and then summer. And it's like, well, I think we're going to start going out now, but who really knows? What's amazing, like. you know, what's amazing to me, you know, we talked about this a little bit before we got on, but, but what's amazing to me is like, people i i thought like four months ago especially when like la was going through you know the worst part of it um i was like my god can you imagine that the moment when we get to go back into a restaurant or right. you know and that first time you felt that way right but yeah. like it, it it seems to me that like there's just now there's just amnesia like we just are, are, yeah. we're flying right back into life and isn't it and, wild and and, and i and and we just want to forget about this last, this last year. And I think, and I, I think we kind of will for the most part, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe there'll always be that thing in the back of our heads, like depression era kids wound up, you know, really like hoarding money as they as they got older, yeah. you know, but, but, uh, you know, I think maybe we'll just be like, Oh, anything could happen. So we're, you know, we'll, we'll enjoy ourselves and go buy some concert tickets and, and go, you know, but at the same time there, it doesn't, there's, you know, they're just absolutely so ready to forget it. And move on, it's, you know. You would, you were kind of hoping that people would have learned a lesson about how to treat people better, and you know, man, you really cherish those moments that we get to go out to dinner and we, right. we are able to go to a concert. And you know, people are just pissed just, off just now and hate it. each other. And politics are worse now. Than they ever. gotta it's wait. Like, and, oh, like it's gotten worse. Now we gotta wait in lines again. And it's like you know, they're, they're, they're just longer because they're six feet apart still, and that's stupid. It's, it's, <laughs> it's I will not get political on this, but uh, yeah, it just people. You would have thought it would have been a reset of like, wow, we really had it good, and it's yeah. just like, no, nope. nope. I hate. <laughs> I work in that industry. People, it's, it's just it's, unbelievable. We're it's just, just we're, we're, we're 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 still flying apart just differently, you know. Yes. Um. What, what, how do you um? You know, there's a drum set in in the background. Um. 
you know, do you, um, do you have a lot of, of, do you bring a lot of choices out or do you just kind of have your own, like, like one, one or two kits that you just always love to play and that's it? Uh, I'm extremely fortunate that I've been endorsed by Ludwig for almost 20 years now. Yeah. Um, so every couple of years I get a, a new drum set from, from them. And so then, you know, I rotate out my, my A kit becomes a B kit. So mm-hmm. if, you know, if we're, if we're in California tonight playing a gig, but we have a, a private gig to play in Iowa tomorrow. Yeah. That the B rig will go out we'll go there. Out there. So, okay. So we, all we have to do is physically get to there and then the crew sets up. It's, it's basically the same, same yeah. stuff, yeah. but just, you know, so, um, yeah, I kind of rotate. And, you know, this, the kit that I have behind me right now is uh, probably 10 years old, but it just seemed, I built a studio during quarantine, um, uh-huh. time off. I finally had the time to, to build a home studio. And uh, this one has all the, the sizes I really like. And yeah, I just got my microphone set up and I can rotate cymbals and snare drums and, and drums if I so, so choose, but I've got it set up right now or I've, I, I've, I'm fortunate to uh, music sent to me from people and I put drums on it and send it back and they PayPal me or Venmo me. And yeah. I've never actually met this person in the real, oh, real so, world. It's... So, so you, um, you're available to, to, to do those yes. kinds of, yeah. of, so, of about dropping two, three gigs. months now. Mm-hmm. I've, yeah, I've, I've been working quite a bit, which is, yeah, it's so great. And it, there's no pressure. Cause you know, most, you know, you actually go to a studio and you, there's a time frame. You have to be done by a certain time or this day. But with this yeah. stuff, it's like put my kids to bed at eight thirty, and then at nine o'clock I come out and I work for a couple hours. Right. And and, and, and I, can people I, can people just go to uh, Dax? That's two X's Nielsen dot com and 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 yeah, and I haven't updated that in a while. But you can contact me through there or just cheap trick Dax on yeah. Instagram. Do you guys um, do you like the corporate? The, the, I mean, I know you guys do like private or corporate gigs occasionally as a mm-hmm. band, right? Um, how, how are those different? Like what? Do you like doing that? I mean, I obviously, I'm sure it's good money, but 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 <laughs> you know, is is that something that turns out to be fun, or is it just you know? You, you kind of always dread it because it's oh, it's a corporate gig, and you get there and you realize like it's some company that is basically giving the employees a night off to like right. drink all they can, and eat free food, and yeah, you know, I'm sure they go to meetings all day, and then at night here's the concert, and you show up, and people are just having the best time, and they're yeah. freaking out, and you know, playing a band like Cheap Trick, there's a lot of songs that whether somebody knew they liked Cheap Trick or not, they go, oh, I love this song. I just right. didn't know who sang it. Yeah. You know, yeah. so there's enough. On those kind of gigs, we definitely play the hits. Yeah, you know, good. that was my next question. Like the set list must must be a little different where you go. Yeah, yeah. We, we just load it up with all the singles, basically. Yeah. And everybody knows every song and they go crazy. And yeah. So, no, it turns out to be great fun. And then, you know, the next night we'll play our own show. And we'll just play all rarities and, yeah. You know, so it, it, we mix it up. It, a lot of bands, like you hinted at, go out and they just play the same set list and they say the same thing between every song. And yeah, but I even for that, I've got lots of friends that that play for bands like that, and they go, it never gets boring. You know, like it's yeah. a different audience every night. And you know, what did what you did that day or after the show, you're meeting up with some friends, and your or your friends are in the audience. Yeah, it's like if you're bored doing that, then go get a real job and see how that feels. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, you know, you get to play these same songs every night and go on a tour bus and in airplanes and, you know, yeah. have a guitar tech. That, Every, you know, everybody, uh, there, there's a great book called Stumbling on Happiness. It's written by a Harvard, a Harvard psychologist. And it's, and it's more about people's like inability to predict their own happiness or unhappiness. And, and they, and one of the mm-hmm. things they talk about is like, 
you know, everybody gets a new job and they think, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be awesome. And then, and then, you know, you're forgetting like my boss might suck or I'm still right. going to have to drive through traffic or whatever. And, you know, or, or, or conversely, this is going to be terrible. And it turns out to actually things are, yeah. you know, exciting, but, but I'm sure it's like that somewhat. Um, what, um, one, one, one more quick question. Like who, what are the, you guys have toured with so many different bands um, mm -hmm. and partnered up. Who are the bands that? Tell me the the bands that you loved touring with the most, and if you're able to tell me the ones that you let least <laughs> were your least favorite, and that you'll never you guys will have agreed you will never tour again with. <laughs> I, 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 you know the answer to that one. I can't. Say. You can't, I can't say. talk about that. But uh, we, you know, there's a lot of mutual admiration with a lot of the bands that we go out with. Yeah, you know, we we tour. Cheap Trick is famous for being the, like the, the world's most famous opening act. We, you know, we go out, we open up for Aerosmith, and then the next year we go out with yeah. uh, Pat Benatar, or we go out with Blondie, or we go out with ZZ Top, or we, yeah. you know, this year, this year, and last year we were supposed to go out with Rod Stewart, and you know, somehow we fit with all those with all those acts, and we can tailor our set. We we did um we went out to the UK a few years back and did the Download Festival, which uh -huh. used to be Castle Downington, you know, Monsters of Rock. Yeah, you know, and it's us and Corn and uh, not Pantera, but the singer for Pantera, Phil. He's got a band called Down, and you know, yeah. we're playing with all these hard rock acts, and yeah. so we just played, we played our heavier stuff, and the crowd went wild. You know, <laughs> yeah, loved it. Yeah. You know, and the next night we're out with Peter Frampton and the crowd goes wild and they loved it. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it's one of those bands that we can kind of just play with everybody. And and like I said, there's like a mutual admiration that, you know, most of the people we played with have been around equally as long or similar stories. And it's just, hey, great to see you again. Yeah, I've, I've known that guy since 74, you know, like known this guy for 50 years now. Yeah. You know, so. But, OK, so you personally, like what were what were some of the ones that you were just like, man, this is this is awesome like i'm touring with these guys this is so much fun uh for me personally it was foreigner because i got i ended up becoming really good friends with a couple of the guys yeah. you know in the band uh -huh. um that was just a personal thing like it wasn't yeah. even about the music it was but yeah you know, just, just the time after the show had, yeah nice <laughs> to go drinking with these guys and just laugh our asses off and, yeah you know for me by no means am i complaining but you know i'm 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 a hired guy if you will i'm, I'm the new guy in the band right with a bunch of older guys you know yeah. so like I don't, I rarely get to just hang out with people close to my age on the road doing kind of what I'm doing. So that would, for me, was really great. Um, about a year or two into being with Cheap Trick, I, we did a, almost a whole year with Aerosmith and just watching those oh, two, God. those, those two groups interact was just so much fun. Yeah. You know, Brad Whitford, I think played with us one song every single night. You know, he's a big fan and right. vice versa. I think he'd come up and play "Ain't That a Shame," uh, "Ain't That a Shame" with us, and they, Rick and him would dual guitar solos, and it was oh, like, that's great. "I'm jamming with Brad Whitford, you know, five nights a week." And you know, Stephen would come up when he could. You know, he has to sing his whole show, so he didn't right. want to come up. But you know, just seeing those guys at catering every day, and there's you know, <laughs> that's Steven Tyler over there. You know, Brad Whitford was the guy. You know, he was at catering with the crew every day, just hanging out. Yeah, like it was no big deal. You know, like. That's just awesome. seeing that kind of stuff you know we just do one-offs we we uh we opened up for the foo fighters at wrigley field you know because fans of cheap trick or whatever and you know or just stuff like that and you're like how did i how did we or I, you know yeah, i, I yeah. feel like i'm extremely fortunate and lucky to have done some really cool things by playing with these guys well you know and i think um 
you know, I, I, I don't, I, I'm assuming that, you know, hardcore cheap trick fans know your background uh, better than most, but, but I, you know, I, I, I think it's, you know, there's no, I mean, you, you had your, you put your dues in long before you were in this band, you know, this is not just right. like, you know, falling into the role here, you know, I mean, no, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, Wolfgang Van Halen is a tremendous bass player and a tremendous musician, but, you know, but he went right into Van Halen, you know, like right. at a very early age and, and he had paid his dues, but he did it at home. You know, you were right. out there playing, you know, with all types of bands, uh, for, for, you know, quite a long time, you know, before you, before you wound up in, in this one and, you know, and, and maybe a lot of, I don't know, I don't know if you get shit for it, but, um, at this, at this point, but, you know, I, I, I know there were probably some people that did, you know, yeah, I mean, I in, 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 in the early days, but, but, you know, they, they, they obviously didn't know your resume, you know, and I, I, I think anybody that would discredit, you know, nepotism being the, the case or whatever, yeah. I, I didn't know that I'd played with dick dale who was right. a legend at the time and you know up until probably three years ago you know brandy carlisle was one of my biggest yeah. you know i've, I've yeah. had a, i've had a long career but i've only really played for a few artists because i i've had they had loyalty to me like i played yeah. for three or four or five years yeah you know it wasn't just one after the other so and i imagine dick resume, dale's a hard guy to play for just musically right i mean that's just oh oh yeah like really, i mean like as a we do two hours yeah. no stopping yeah yeah no set list he would and he was the kind of guy most of it was instrumental instrumental stuff and he would just if he was done halfway through a song he he had all like the chuck berry cues where yeah. like, putting the neck down means stop lift up means this you know, yeah. if i'm shaking my hips that means speed up or yeah. my shoulder going up and down means this and like so i was visually for two hours watching like, him just like, yeah <laughs> he would stop in the middle of a song like, yeah just to just to see if we were paying attention and instead of going back in, like, okay, one, two, three, four, yeah. he would just start playing something else and you had to dive right into that. And, you know, it was that kind of old school Chuck Berry mentality of you got to follow him. And right. if, if, you're, if you're looking at some girl in the front row or whatever and not paying attention, that's that's your ass, you know? I promise this is the final question. I'm keeping you oh, along. No, okay. <laughs> I, 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 I'm keeping you along, but, I, but that brings up another question for me about your role in Cheap Trick. The, the, how, how fluid are the set lists when you're – it, within the gig i mean are there call outs uh or or you know or is it pretty is it pretty solid we're going to do these songs and we're going to and we're going to do it uh day to day the flu the extremely fluid we yeah. try, you know there's a few three four or five songs that we have to play every night right i mean or people would be pissed yeah but every you know we write a new set list every day yeah. um within the, because, within the gig? uh no but because right. of the 25 guitars the, yeah. the tech have to know <laughs> they, they have to know what's coming up that, you know that, yeah. so that they're prepared um yeah. occasionally you'll see somebody in the crowd that has a sign held up you know play my favorite please play this song and it wasn't on the list but yeah depending on how the what the mood is like hey you guys want to do that one yeah why not we you know we'll do we'll, there will be cue it up that, on the teleprompters yeah <laughs> yeah that, that's, that's started, i mean because i have i have five pages laminated yeah of songs that we know yeah, you can just and I keep the tempos. I have a metronome next to me, just visually. I don't listen to it, but yeah, you know, you don't want to start a song way too fast or way too slow. But the fact that we mix it up every single night, like yeah, good to know the general area where that song is. Um, but yeah, I've got. I think I think we've done 160 songs. Yeah, you know, we did four nights in the UK a few years back, and somebody counted. We did. I think in in four nights we did 65 songs. Yeah, you know, that's so, one of the I mean, things I you know I, I, I always. 
you know, somehow or another, I always wind want up talking about Springsteen on like on, on these things. But but that's one of the things I, I appreciate about like, I mean, granted, yeah, there's teleprompters, but but like like on it, you know, he'll he'll grab a sign out of the audience, and it's like the band can just like you know like just yeah. just start yeah. start doing it, but. But I, I also imagine that's just literally terrifying for the band. <laughs> I don't know if they're terrifying because they don't care anymore or whatever. But but perhaps you know. But for me, like as you know, I would be just absolutely like, oh my god, I don't yeah. even know. Like, oh, you know, one, two, three. Okay, we're gonna play this chord. Okay, fine. I think um, you know. I think like right today, it would be pretty scary to go walk up on stage and just play whatever. But I think when we're actually in the in the process of always being on the road, yeah. You, you, chances are we've played this song in the last three weeks or so and it's just rock and roll and yeah. you know rick's always famous for saying you know our mistakes are real you know <laughs> all these bands you know they're, they're lip syncing or they whatever like yeah we screw up we screw up if we have to stop and start over it's kind of funny or yeah that rarely happens but you know a mistake is a mistake and it's just rock and roll and you know if you cheap tricks never been one to, to take themselves too seriously so, by any means so your you next your next uh, the, the the first cheap trick gig in in a long time is 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 it in iowa is that what's coming up uh no those are nielsen trust shows oh okay so um, most of june is the nielsen trust we're doing about 11 shows uh but right in the middle we're doing uh the foxwoods in connecticut cheap trick is playing on the 15th of june okay. that'll be our, our first show since february 22nd of 2020 okay just got to be close to 500 days or something like that you know yeah uh, and then we've got, I think, a gig in Mexico at the end of the month. And then it looks like June, uh, July, and August are starting to fill in. You yeah, know, we had a, we had a tour planned, but I think that's getting postponed. Just logistically, it wasn't. It, it just seemed, I, as you know, it just seemed like the world kind of opened up one day. It wasn't yeah, like, yeah. hey, you know, in August everything's going to ease up. It was just one day, like, all right, you know, enough people are vaccinated, enough people are pissed off, like. Yeah. Like we're just gonna start doing concerts again like wait what oh okay do you after all this period of time do you rehearse or is it or do you just drop in i've never rehearsed with cheap trick not okay. once yeah so i i assume there won't be like a three-day you know rent a studio they've space. been doing it for 40 years they're just gonna yeah get, and they, i think they, it's, it's kind of up to it's up to us to learn the stuff you know re refresh ourselves at home and yeah and then just drop i'm in. sure we'll get a sound check or something like that but once again it's it's most of their songs are great songs, but you know, a lot of it's just three or four chords and yeah. you screw up, you screw up, who cares? You know? Awesome. Well, uh, DaxNielsen.com. If you, if you want to check out what, what, what he's doing individually, it, that's two X's. So for, uh, for people that don't know, um, cheaptrick.com, right? If you, if yeah, you want to trick Dax think, on Instagram is yeah. where I do most of my stuff. That's I've kind of, the okay. Facebook thing has kind of waned for me, so yeah. But but you know the the, the concerts are coming back. Uh, I think you said you're, they're going to be in Orange County on August 11th. I think so. Um, yeah. And and uh, really appreciate you uh, uh, taking time uh, to talk to me. This has been a whole lot of fun, and uh, yeah. uh, I look forward to seeing you uh, somewhere down the road uh, in person. And and uh, happy to. Uh, happy to share a beverage with you and, uh, and we'll, uh, it'll, it'll be great. <laughs> so, uh, uh, thanks Dax. And, uh, and, uh, we'll, we'll talk uh, again. All right, Brian. Thanks so much. Take care.